Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my day and the projects that I work on. This is a question that was sent in, actually a series of questions and a really uh, nice email from Jan. So I'll read that later. Pretty sure it's Jan. It, uh, it could be Jan, but I'm pretty sure it's Jan. So Jan, thanks for sending this in. Much appreciated. And I'm going to dig into some of the details of it overall. And one thing I want to point out is I was, I was thinking about the content that I cover on this podcast. I was thinking about my call for help from you, the audience. I wanted to know the kind of shows that you wanted to hear. It was overwhelming that people wanted to hear um, sort of success stories from normal folks. A lot of times like early success stories are the most interesting because most people have not yet started. They haven't earned um, much money yet. And they want to hear from other people that are just a few steps, maybe just a few months or maybe like a year ahead of them. So I've been leaning into that and just talking about it a little bit more kind of led people to let me know where they're at. I'm also, I mean, I have great, um, thank goodness, relationships with the the students in my course. So over time, you know, maybe they're on the show, they hit a few hundred bucks and then they come back a little bit later and they're making a few thousand dollars. So it's cool to track along and hear from people over time, especially when, you know, if you're just a new listener to the Doug show, you can tune in and hear a recent episode with say Marty McLeod. And then you could also go back to, I believe episode two and hear his first interview and just hear the difference and the things that he's working on, how things progressed over time. Anyway, all that to say, I originally named the show Doug.show with Doug Cunnington. And I, you know, it was one of those deals. I was like, all right, I'm not going to overthink anything. I'm just going to get moving and then we'll figure out some stuff later. 170 episodes later, I was like, you know what? It does kind of seem like I hit the random, you know, weird topic, travel, some nonsense, like uh, several episodes about Tiger King with my wife, but mainly it's clear we talk about affiliate marketing and side hustles. So I thought I could just go over to my my WordPress install where I have the podcast hosted over at Castos and just hop in there, change a couple settings and change the name. So maybe there's at least one fucking keyword in the title. So I changed it to, and it looks like it's stuck. I have it pulled up on podcast.apple.com. And right now it is affiliate marketing and side hustles on the Doug.show. On Doug on on the Doug show, but it's Doug.show because that's the URL. Anyway, I didn't want to um, you know, put anything that was not true in there. But I mean, we're we lean into affiliate marketing the first, you know, many episodes and probably 90% of it is about affiliate marketing and side hustles and that sort of thing. So instead of trying to be as uh, obscure and deep in the weeds so no one can find the show, I figure I'll put at least something about affiliate marketing on there. So I mean, from what I hear on the streets, I mean, this is, it's not a good sample size, but the people that listen to this show, 
a lot of times they, they really like it. They, they appreciate it quite a bit and they say, Oh, you know, I, I started with, um, maybe smart passive income. I started with Pat Flynn and, you know, migrated to some other folks maybe that are still publishing right now. But a lot of, a lot of the topics that are covered on say smart passive income are not really for beginners. Um, I have a hit and miss, um, interest level with, smart passive income at this point in time, there's some topics where I'm just like, I'm, I'm super not interested in that, or I definitely don't want to hear from that person. I'm jaded. I'm, I'm weird at this, at this point, even more weird. You'll hear that as I talk about my day to day. But anyway, the point is I changed the name. It should be reflected out there. Affiliate marketing is now in the title. Side hustles is now in the title. And I think that is a little bit more accurate and I can still go off on tangents and have the one-off episode here and there. I'm trying to tighten things up a little bit, just a little bit. Anyway, if you have any thoughts on that, let me know. Moving on to the topic of the day. Jan said this, and I mean, he sent this over as a show episode idea. So I assume it's okay. I can read it. (laughs) I'm sure he'll let me know. Hi, Doug. Thank you for your podcast and the helpful information you share with us. Your story inspires me and you have become my role model. Smiley face. So I would like to have a podcast episode in which you talk about what life is like when you made it. What is the daily routine and day-to-day business of an owner of a portfolio of niche sites? What options do you have to design it? What tasks do you do yourself? What activities have you delegated? Behind it is my wish for a reality check. Smiley with a winky. To what extent does the vision in my head match the reality? Are you really free in your timing? Can you choose the projects? Or do the existing projects have many obligations that restrict your freedom? An authentic and honest report would be super exciting for me. If the topic is interesting for you, I can develop uh, further questions and thoughts to send you more context. Many greetings, and I'm curious to see what you say about this idea. So... Full disclosure, Jan sent this about 13 days ago. We had exchanged a a few emails prior to this. I got super busy about two weeks ago and I didn't reply back. I had sort of episodes done up to a certain point and I've actually been heads down working on a project. This will fit into the answer later. I've been heads down and I neglected to send Jan an email. Sorry about that, Jan. Um, As I'm recording this now, you've already gotten a response from me and we'll probably exchange a few email a few more emails before this baby goes live i need to talk slower just getting excited about all these answers i have for you yon so overall i think i can just tell you um it is probably as good yon as you think it could be if you imagine maybe when you were a teenager and school was out for the summer and you have so many options on what you can do, you can sleep in, you could waste the day away, you could get a job, you can work really hard, you can stay up all night, you can do really whatever you want, you know, as far as, um, you know, what your parents would let you do, but you have so many options And actually maybe a better comparison is when you get out of, uh, out of 
school for the summer while you were at university or college or anything if you did um, you know, further education like that. You have a ton of options. You're actually an adult. You can get into trouble. Maybe that's more accurate. Yeah, because if you're a kid and you're in high school, like maybe it's a little limited. You don't have as many responsibilities. So anyway, the overall answer is it's great. I love it. I love it. It's amazing. And I am fortunate enough to be friends with several people that are either financially independent, literally they don't work, they're pretty much retired or they're doing some hobbies or other people that are working for themselves. They don't have a corporate gig anymore. And maybe they run websites. Maybe they do stuff exactly like what I do. So a couple of things to set the context. So I'll let you know like where I am. You did mention, you know, day-to-day as a business owner of a portfolio of niche sites. Well, I'm in a little bit of a different situation and it could be similar um, to Matt Jevanisi over there at moneylab.co, Listen Money Matters and his podcast from moneylab.co. Basically, we run some sites, but we also have other branding and products that we have. So I have a couple courses. I have YouTube, this podcast, of course, Matt has some courses. He has a software product, Lasso. He also has a WordPress theme called Carbonate. And he has a YouTube channel too, plus a YouTube channel for some of his other brands that he runs. So there's kind of a spread. The the good part for both of us is we have diversity in traffic and revenue and options. Now, I think, actually, I know Matt has more sort of like day-to-day responsibilities just because, you know, the list of things that I just listed out, he has more of them to deal with than I do. So he, he has he has more responsibilities and, you know, kind of to the point of some of the questions that you asked here, like we can choose the projects and Matt's choosing more projects than me. And that's cool. I mean, everyone has to shape their own day. Now, when I'll, I'm going to kind of hit these in a, in the order that you asked them here, just because it's an easy way for it to flow. And I'll give examples along the way, just to, I guess, set context and really illustrate like what's going on. Before I get into it, I need to mention that this podcast is brought to you in part by Ezoic. And they've rolled out, I guess it's been out for a little while at this point, their site speed accelerator. And basically, it makes your, your site load faster. The cool thing is when you hook it up with Ezoic and you use their DNS, which is the optimal way to get this stuff working, you not only take advantage of caching and the caching that they can do for you, but their CDN as well, which if I recall correctly, it's run through Cloudflare, which is like one of the the top CDNs and, and caching mechanisms out there. Also, I actually got this question just today Basically, does the site speed accelerator work with uh, like Drupal or some other non-WordPress CMS? And the answer is yes. It'll work with affiliate sites. It'll work with any sort of platform, any host, any theme, whatever. It's compatible. And the reason why is like you can run it through the DNS, which sort of is a a layer on top. It is platform agnostic, CMS agnostic. So you could hook it up and it'll 
do lazy loading, it'll optimize resizing the images, serve in next gen formats, just by turning on those features within the SiteSpeed Accelerator. So test it out, there's a seven day free trial. You should be able to improve your Google Page Speed Insight score pretty much immediately once you get it hooked up. And I believe they guarantee over 80 on that uh, site speed accelerator, sorry, on the page speed insight. There's so many syllables in all uh, this whole read here. So anyway, check out Ezoic. They're fantastic. If you have any trouble like hooking things up, I have heard from a couple um, students and a few uh, fans and listeners out there, basically like, oh, I'm having a little trouble with this or that. Just give me a shout and email feedback at doug.show and I can get you in touch with um, people that can help you out in case um, the support is very good from all my experience, but they know who I am. So if you need a little um, help, a little push to get attention, just let me know and I'm happy to you know make sure you get the exact attention that you need. Anyway, thanks to Ezoic. All right, so the day-to-day routine is it's pretty pretty straightforward. I, th- I feel like I've talked about it just a bits and pieces here and there, but I'm generally an early riser, so I'm often up by you know five thirty in the summer and maybe like six thirty in the winter when it's a little darker outside. I sleep with the sun, I, I suppose, and I don't set an alarm. I usually just get up whenever I'm ready or depending on what's going on. If my wife has to wake up earlier, that'll usually wake me up. And I usually just go ahead and get up at that point, but I haven't set an alarm in over five years, like on a daily basis. So that's pretty awesome. I think that probably says a lot because I remember, you know, when I had the day job, I actually did have to set an alarm to make sure I got out there at the right time and have to sit through traffic and blah, blah, blah. Now, as far as options to design that the day, it's really whatever I want. So it varies in in certain areas. So I'll get up, like I said, fairly early, get some coffee going, and usually I'll sit around just a minute or two, drinking coffee, hanging out, wash my face, brush my teeth. I will take the dog out for a walk, usually for two to two and a half miles. So it's a little bit under an hour uh, just walking outside. We're living in the Colorado, the Longmont, Colorado area. And the weather here in Colorado is good most of the time. It's They, they claim something like 300 sunny days a year, which is it's pretty accurate. So most of the time it's great weather, there's a greenway like a quarter mile away. I can see mountains in one direction. It's beautiful. And it's like snow capped mountains. It's June. It is literally 101 degrees today when I'm recording this. And I can walk out into the yard and see snow on the mountains out there. It's pretty cool. It's pretty awesome. And that makes me happy. Back back in Georgia, I mean, people enjoy trees and you know, they talk about how, um, you know, m- many areas of the country, right, are green. There's so many trees and it's cool to look at it, it some, in some ways. But, you know, I grew up seeing all those trees and the humidity and all that stuff. And, and I just, I, I like to be able to see the mountains. So I, I enjoy that quite a bit. Anyway, so I walk around for a bit, usually get back and 
I'll get to work if I'm working that day. So as far as options, you literally can work, you know, four days a week or three days a week or whatever you want to do. As I was getting the business going, right? Like the first year, like after I got laid off in 2015, I was working a lot harder. I was probably working more like five and a half to six days per week. Now I gen- I don't have, my calendar's blocked off on Mondays and Fridays. So no meetings those days. Typically on Fridays, I don't do nearly as much work. Usually it's, you know, a quarter day, something like that. On the normal work week, depending on what I have going on, I may do, you know, a ton of work on Monday, right? Because I have no other meetings. I can get a lot of stuff done. The other days I may have uh, an interview set up for the podcast and YouTube. A lot of times I'll, I'll batch those together. So yesterday I recorded three interviews and those are going to be able to serve me for, you know, three weeks basically for content, which is great. I got it all knocked out in a day. I recorded the intros and outros for the podcast. I recorded the intros and outros for the YouTube side. A little bit different. I probably can consolidate those, but at this point in time, I am recording them a little bit separately. So the the content is not identical. Typically, you'll get a little more rambling and talking over here on the podcast, just because the format lends itself to it. So anyway, I, I do batch in, in a lot of ways. I'm just thinking about this week and how I've designed this week in the past several weeks. I'm working on a big project. I'm working on the multi-profit site, which is a huge flagship course. There's a lot of content, many tens of thousands of words. Actually, I haven't counted it. I wonder, I wonder what the total word count is, but it is one of the huge flagship courses that takes a pretty long time. You know, it's going to take me start to finish uh, six weeks to do pretty much full-time effort about 40 hours per week, not quite, but about 40 hours per week. So, you know, that said, I've been working hard on that, writing scripts, shooting the video, and then there's some portions that I've delegated. So you do have a ton of options. Most days I will, you know, work for a few hours in the morning, um, take a break. Sometimes I'll walk the dog again for a longer walk. Not today, it was far too hot both for me and for Georgie's feet. Some other days I will head over to the gym, work out for an hour or two. And actually in the winter and actually not all the time, but in the, in the winter and then sometimes in the summer, depending on the weather, I'll go to the gym for, you know, two, two and a half hours just because I can either listen to podcast or, watch YouTube and I enjoy working out. I enjoy getting out of the office and moving around when the summer's great or sorry, when the weather's great in the summer, um, it's likely to go out. I'm I'm likely to go out for a hike or just spend a little bit more time outside, which is, is really awesome. And I, I missed it yesterday, but some folks went hiking that are either really flexible or retired And, you know, they hiked for 10 miles over in Boulder and I had some plans already. It kind of came, the hiking expedition sort of came together 
at the last minute. So I had some plans already, so I couldn't join, but it's pretty cool. You know, if you find some other folks that have flexibility like you, you can go hang out and just, you know, get, get to chat and get to know people outdoors on a hike, which is great. I mean, you don't have the pressure. Let's say you, you meet people out at a happy hour. You don't have the pressure when you're out on the hike to, you know, buy more stuff, like buy more drinks or at a time when we actually could go out, but you don't have that pressure to, you know, keep consuming stuff. And then there's a distractions of other people. Sometimes people are on their phones all the time, but you know, this crew, you know, nobody pulls their phone out while they're hiking outdoors. In a lot of cases, we don't even have a cell phone signal where we're at. So anyway, you have a lot of flexibility depending on what you want to do. And as far as like working more in the afternoon, it just depends on what I have going on in the past when I was drinking a lot more caffeine, I would hit a wall at like two and then I was done. Like I, I was just not able to operate it at the same level. It would take me to longer to do, you know, some simple things. And now that I've cut back on my caffeine, so I've, I've added it back for people that have listened. I cut out caffeine for maybe like two and a half, three weeks. And then I started to add it back a little bit uh, at a time. And I'm not drinking full strength coffee at this point. So I know some people may have an issue with that, but I, I still like to drink coffee. I like making it. I like the smell and the taste and all, all the stuff going along with it, but I don't want as much caffeine. So I'm, I'm basically using maybe like a third caffeinated and two thirds decaf. So with that said, I'm effective way later into the afternoon. So I am working great. It's fantastic. And then I could do more work later in the afternoon if I want to. Right now, currently, when it's, you know, so warm outside, it's very likely for me to grab a beer at, uh, you know, after four <laughs> and stand out in the backyard, toss the ball with Georgie and just hang out a little bit. So we're enjoying enjoying the backyard currently. There's a lot of shade back there in the afternoon. So with that said, let's get on to the tasks that I do myself and the activities that I delegate. So overall, I it, sh it shifts a lot. It shifts a lot because right now I'm actually building a niche site to go along with the course that I just mentioned. And I'm hoping this is going to be like a long-term project and it's not going to be subject to, you know, negative SEO or any kind of issues like that. But I am doing a lot more keyword research, which is cool because I selected the niche knowing that I would be able to find the keywords. So I didn't have them handy. So I haven't mentioned this. I'll probably, you know, of course, tell the people in the course, but I haven't mentioned this um, in a you know, general public setting, but keyword research is important. Usually it's the root of helping you select a niche, but because I kind of knew that you could find keywords for almost any niche, and I knew that there were plenty of products and topics for me to cover in a general sense, I didn't do the prerequisite low competition, KGR, keyword research ahead of time. So I have, I've probably done, I would say five hours in the last two weeks of just keyword research where it was a bit of a dead end for the first 
90 minutes. I was looking and everything seemed too competitive. I was having a hard time just finding keywords. However, and th thank goodness, right? This is what I tell people. Once you spend a little time looking, you start finding them. You start finding more and more. And yeah, sure enough, I was trying to find a handful, about five or six keywords in a specific area that were KGR, very low competition, hit all the check boxes. And it took me a little while, but once I found them, I was like, oh, this is this is great. There's actually more than I thought. These are more obscure than I suspected. And keyword research, luckily, I'm still good at it. Thank goodness. As far as content, I typically am not writing any of the content. But in this specific case, for this specific site, I am writing a little bit of it. Now, again, I mentioned this is going to be a long-term project and I'm going to end up doing more writing just in a general sense since I'm interested in it, but I will be hiring several writers. That said, I do the HR stuff. So I'm, I'm pretty good at hiring people. I'm good at giving feedback. I'm good at firing them. If you need, if, if you need to fire them, I could do it and that sort of thing. So for the niche sites, I'm trying to get so much content done that I, I definitely need help and I definitely need to hire people. And there's plenty of people that are qualified to write general content where for niche site project, for this podcast, for YouTube, it's a lot more specialized. I mean, I'm, I'm the brand, right? I mean, this is my name's in the show. The URL has my name in it. So I need to be doing, you know, the majority of it. However, I have hired writers at Niche Site Project, typically former students that are accomplished, very good writers, and they've, you know, been they've been around. So I, I trust them to write good content and I trust them to usually do a better job than me at writing. So on the YouTube side, however, I am not a great video editor. I enjoy it. I probably should have spent more time like just playing with it because I do enjoy you know, shooting video and a lot of the process, but I'm very slow at it. I think I'm very slow at it. Maybe it just takes a while, but the point is I have a video editor and I hired her back in, I think, 2017 when I was starting to scale up and, and publish more videos and I realized my editing sucks and some people can do a much better job than me and they could do it faster and it's cheaper and they make good money at it. So I hired her and she's been doing a great job. I think she's a like film student in uh, the Ukraine. So she's, you know, well qualified. She's doing a great job. She's been working with me for a while. I also have a VA who helps me in many different areas on, on niche sites, some email, and she also does some of the YouTube admins. So that would include uploading some of the videos. She would potentially do thumbnails, descriptions, and a lot of the details associated with like just scheduling. And I, I won't say trivial, but it's like, you know, the admin over on the YouTube side, basically it's a, you know, a YouTube channel manager that that would be the sort of activities that, that she's associated with. So with this last course that I've, um, 
created, I guess I create, I'm the creator of the course. I worked with internet marketing gold and they had, you know, a staff of, of people, right? They have a team. Part of that was a video editor. Part of it was a, you know, marketing specialist who could write email copy, sales copy, put together the full funnel and all those details. There was another person who works directly in the CMS for the course management just in general. So once I put together the content, I can give whatever piece to the owner and they, they can run with it. And I don't have to micromanage. I don't have to worry about it too much, which is great. I mean, I didn't have to put the team together. They were already there. It's just fantastic. And as far as this podcast, like right now I'm recording it into my my Zoom H4N recorder and I will just upload it to Auphonic where it'll be mastered. It then gets sent over to uh, Google Drive and to YouTube all automatically and a couple things happen in the process. So if I'm recording it on this recorder, then it just gets done. It's very fast. If I have to record like an interview and there's a little bit more processing. Typically in the past, I was doing the editing and I would generally just attach the intro and outro and then leave the interview as it was. However, I knew that there's some pauses here and there. I try not to use too many filler words. I think I've gotten better at that, by the way. However, if I'm interviewing someone, a lot of times there there could be some pauses And sometimes the guests don't have as much speaking experience. Maybe they're a little bit nervous and maybe they have a ton of filler words and it really needs to be cleaned up. I don't, I don't want to spend my time doing that, but my editor who does the videos, I mean, she's essentially already cutting out a lot of that stuff for the video. So I put two and two together and I asked her if she could just send me the audio file and maybe just to be the my podcast editor. So I was actually setting out to hire a podcast editor when I realized I already was employing someone who could do the whole thing. So once I chatted with her, she was up for it. She's uh, great. And it's definitely freed up some of my time. I can tell already the episodes are better, even if it's just tightening up an interview so that those filler words are not in there. Maybe someone pauses for just a little bit too long in between a question and an answer. And it just, it, it's cleaned it up quite a bit. And I got the idea. I mean, it's a, it's a well-known idea to hire an editor and have someone help you out with that. But I listened to a couple of interviews where I was the guest on the podcast and well, the hosts were actually falling all over themselves. They interrupted each other a couple times and they misspoke a few times as well. And they said, oh, you know what? Don't, don't worry about it, Doug. We have a great editor who cleans all of it up. And I had listened to their show for a while. I probably listened to 30 of their shows. And I, I was like shocked how much trouble they were, they were having doing the interview, but the editor cleans it up. So anyway, once I, figured that out, I was like, oh, I need to, I need to hire someone because the interviews could be way better. 
So I delegate a lot of things, a lot of things that maybe I could delegate, I don't, or maybe certain things that I have in the past, I'm not right now. I definitely like to have a lean team and this is gonna come into play in a second, but for example, I've outsourced some pieces of keyword research, even KGR keyword research. At one point in time, I was scaling and I needed a lot of keywords. So I hired one of my friends who had some free time. They were skilled in KGR research and they went through and they found you know hundreds of keywords for me. Now, sad part is some of them were dupes that I had already published in the past and they didn't have a robust system to check, even though this was my fault. I tried to get them to double check in a specific way, but they were just a little bit lazy <laughs> and didn't do it. So I ended up with a few dupes, but overall it bought me tons of time, tons of time by outsourcing those pieces. So oftentimes if I'm doing a sprint of work, if I'm doing something where I'm trying to do a lot in a short amount of time, I will often outsource pieces that are easy enough to outsource where there's not a ton of training to be done. Moving on as far as the uh, reality check here. So, I mean, I opened up with this yawn basically. Yeah, you totally can, you know, build the day that you want to have and you probably should be thinking about it now. It seems like you are because it's, it's easy to all of a sudden realize that you built a business or a day that you don't enjoy as much. And one of, I mean, you, you asked the right questions here. So are you really free in your timing? The answer is yes. And I could give a great example about this time last year, I took about six weeks off. I went on a road trip up to Alaska, drove here from Longmont. It was fantastic, super amazing. And I spent you know many hours on the road, on remote roads. My parents were able to join me. They're some of the only people I know that have that much free time and that, that I would travel with for that long. Uh, my wife did take uh, a little little over a week off and joined us in Anchorage. She, she flew up there, but yeah, I took, you know, 30 plus days driving and a little time before and after for just decompressing and, and planning and, and getting things together before leaving. Super cool. I also took off about another two months last year. So on a grand sense, on like a macro sense of timing, yeah, you can take a lot of time off. The cost of course was, I mean, I could tell you the business didn't grow as much as it could have if I would have worked 25% more. I mean, I took, you know, 25% of the year off. Is that right? 25%? Yeah, I think so. So it's up to you. And the, the thing is, because I, oh, my wife keeps texting me here. Hold on. Let me, let me get this here. I'll be right back. It's funny. I, uh, got the text and then I sent one back. Hey, I'm busy. I'm recording. Get another text. And well, you guys and gals know how it is. So anyway, I forgot my exact line of thinking right there, but you are free with your timing. The key is you have to understand what you want to work on and how many obligations you want to have. 
So like I said, you, you are honing in on the right thing here, Jan. You're thinking, hey, do you have so many things going on that you actually don't have as many options because you have to do things. You have to you know, make sure X, Y, and Z are done so that you maybe can't go on vacation. And, you know, if you think back to say the four hour work week, that is like, that's the, the root of the book. Tim Ferriss built a company that was making a lot of money, but he built himself a job that he couldn't get away with, get away from. And then he needed to put pieces in place, put systems, put decision makers in place to take him out of it. And of of course, in the book, when he did that, he bought his freedom, right? He bought his freedom to go on long trips and travel the world and do whatever he wanted. The punchline too was he ended up making more money. He ended up growing the business once he got out of the way. Now, for me personally, I was talking about, you know, leaving for a few months last year in 2019, which was great. I mean, there were things that I needed to do. There were obligations that were, you know, personal in nature and or, you know, vacation as well. But I have the option to not grow, right? If you're if you're content and things are going fine, sure, you don't want to be stagnant and then complacent and then you know your business declines. But if you see what you need and you understand sort of the bare minimum of, of what's going on and what you need to do, then you certainly have the option of not growing. I know in the world of, for example, like uh, YouTube or niche sites or a lot of this marketing area is just like constant growth is seems to be the theme, right? Just grow, 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 and basically to never be content. In fact, the uh, one of the recent interviews that I did with uh, my buddy Rob Atkinson, like he he was just talking and it was like, you know, just sort of continuous growth. He's running, you know, a, a million dollar plus niche site and it is amazing, right? But he has a full staff of people I can't remember the total number of like full-time and part-time folks, but it's like over 30 people working with the company. And all those folks are relying on him to keep driving it forward. Yes, there's some management in place. There's executives in place to help drive things. But at the end of the day, like there's a lot more obligation on, on that end. Now, Rob has reached a point where he, you know, he can put a COO in place essentially to run things and the CEO doesn't need to do nearly as many things. And if you delegate properly, then you can kind of get yourself out of not only the day-to-day, but a lot of the just other stuff that you have to do as a CEO. So for me, I have made you know choices to give me flexibility and options. Those are really important to me. And, you know, both flexibility and location, time commitments and all that stuff. A lot of the commitments and obligations that I have are completely artificial that I have created. For example, two podcast episodes per week, completely arbitrary and self-imposed. 
I don't have to publish any per week. I could completely change it, but I know, thank goodness, a lot of people count on hearing the podcast and you enjoy it. And it's great. And I know because you send emails like Jan did and, you know, many other folks as well. And YouTube is the same deal, right? I could not publish anything, but I've generally committed to one video each week. Usually there's more than that, but typically there's something new coming out. Now, at some point I decided, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to like try to play the game and outsmart YouTube and the algorithm and, you know, spend too much time with analytics and get bogged down because I don't have to. And I realized that I didn't have to. So I just decided to create the content that I enjoy creating. Luckily, enough people enough people enjoy it as well that you're along for the ride. And I also did the prerequisite work of publishing videos that can bring people in over the long term. So at some point, actually coming up pretty soon, I've been teasing it for a while. I'm actually going to do more videos that are keyword driven and I'm a lot better creating videos, keeping it tighter, keeping it shorter and making a video that more people are going to watch and will enjoy and will hopefully grow the channel. So I, I mentioned, you know, you don't have to keep growing, but sometimes, right. I think I want to test it out and see, all right, I'm saying that I think I could do this. All right, let's test the theory. Let's learn something. And it, it may not work exactly how I planned, but at least I'm putting forth a good effort in testing my hypothesis, seeing how it works, and then adjusting from there. So I think it's key. Jan, I'm going to sort of wrap it up here. Understand how you want your day to go. Some people like a lot more structure. Some people would actually prefer to go into an office and have a little bit more of a routine with more people around that are counting on you for instructions and you're the manager and you need to lead the team and keep them moving forward. Other people like me don't want that. And you kind of want to have the flexibility if you want to say, fuck it one day and, you know, skip out at around lunchtime and go have a couple beers with friends at a brewery close by, you can do that. You can have a working day at uh, you know a tap house and have a couple beers. Um, that actually happens occasionally uh, before before the quarantining and stuff. Um, you know, some folks down in Boulder would get together and you know do a little co-working day and just hang out. Some people would have a couple beers like myself and other folks would just, you know, drink water or tea or coffee or whatever. So if you understand the kind of day that you want to have, or at least that you think you want to have, you should build that, you know, build that day, build that week. You can think that you might want to have it a certain way. So you got to test it out because a lot of times we think we want a certain thing and then once we get it, we're not really sure. So I highly recommend you test out whatever you're, you're thinking you want. One example of this 
which is not directly related to the the work structure here that we're talking about and being an entrepreneur. But I has I have some friends who I met in Bozeman, and they had sort of a, a life changing event, and it helped them realize that you know life's short, right? They didn't want to miss out and have regrets for not making big decisions to do stuff. And at the time, they were living in the Atlanta, Georgia area. Ironically, they actually lived very close to where my wife and I used to live, though we didn't know each other there. So they had this life-changing event. I'm going to make updates so we can follow a loose timeline. In 2013, they had the life-changing event. They realized, man, man, we gotta, we gotta do something. We're we're wasting our lives and just going to the office. We're sitting in this Atlanta traffic and you know, there's so much more out there. They bought property in Montana, in the mountains, beautiful area, absolutely beautiful, near the Beartooth Pass for the people that know that area. It's, it's at the uh, northeast entrance of Yellowstone National Park. So they bought some property up there, as like 20 acres. They built a custom home up there. Fantastic, beautiful. Downside is very small town. So they moved from, you know, metropolis, 6 million people or whatever Atlanta was at the time. And they moved to a remote place. The closest town was 15 minutes away. And it was like 800 people, something like that. So totally different. And not only that, they moved to, you know, (laughs) uh, some mountains in the Rockies up in Montana that gets a lot of snow and it gets pretty cold and pretty windy, and the winters are a lot longer. They just, they realized that they they missed people, and they ended up moving to Bozeman, and that's when we met them. So they, they enjoyed their time, but they didn't test out what they thought they wanted. In the four-hour work week, Tim Ferriss, he's like, you don't have to have the money to buy a Ferrari, right? You can rent one. You can rent something for a day. If you think you want to move to Hawaii and you know live on the big island and surf and have pokey every afternoon, which actually sounds like fantastic, fantastic. I'm just I'm actually just telling you about a day that I had there once. You should rent a house for a little while. Rent a house, live there for a month, like check it out. Like you're not sure until you test it out. It may turn out that you don't want to live on the big island. Maybe You just want to be able to go there and visit occasionally. That's cool too. So anyway, test this stuff out. You might find that you don't want to live in in the mountains in Montana because the winters are long and there's not many people around. And you may be better off just visiting occasionally. I mean, you can rent a house in many places. We actually, you know, we did this. We weren't trying to test things out, but we stayed in, in Denver for a couple months, uh, you know, several years ago, we stayed in Austin back in 2014 and we were able to just check places out. We checked out Montana for about three months before we moved there and it turned out we liked it. So yeah, test this out as much as you can see what you like, because you may, you may be surprised that you don't enjoy certain things as much as you thought. And the other part is flexibility. You could build obligations or you can keep yourself pretty free and give yourself a lot of flexibility. I prefer the flexibility and some people actually need to have 
other things in place. Now, one thing that I, I think I maybe skipped this question in depth. So I thought I was going to wrap it up, but I'm going to talk about it more. Choosing the projects that you want to work on. It does go into a lot of the obligations and shaping things that I was talking about there, but you completely can choose whatever you want to work on. The problem is there's like unlimited choices. There's too many opportunities out there. So you have to be very disciplined. You should probably say no to most things. Most things, most of the time, you need to be so excited about a certain project that you can't move away from it. I think when you're first getting started, I mean, there's two, there's two lines of thought here. And I, I realize the contradiction I'm about to make, but early on, a lot of people will say, yeah, if you get an opportunity to do something, you need to say yes for everything. And I think it depends on the industry and uh, several other things. If you're trying to start a business or work on a specific project, you should probably pick one and stick with it for a while and, and see it through, you know, see it through. If you try to jump around too much, you end up in a bad situation where you're making very little to no progress in all the new things that you're trying out. If you happen to get an opportunity, let's say at an agency doing a piece of work that is related to what you want to be doing as an entrepreneur working for yourself, it could be a great way to learn from people that are ahead of you. It could be a great way to learn on the job while being paid and making contacts in that industry. That totally makes sense. But if you're just trying to work on a side project, it's important not to get too scattered. That said, right? So if you do have the opportunity for that agency work or something where you can get experience and network and make contacts, say yes. However, once you hit some level of success, you're going to see so many opportunities out there. It will be overwhelming and other people will be approaching you all the time to work with you because you're doing cool shit and they can see that you're successful and they, they want some of that to rub off on them. And the danger is you're going to think, oh, it's a really good opportunity. I may never get this opportunity again. I need to say yes. Turns out there's so many opportunities coming at you constantly that it's okay to say no to most of them. Yeah, you'll hopefully find the one where it's like, this no doubt is a great opportunity. I definitely need to take advantage of that. Quick example, when Rob Atkinson and I worked together on Project at White Hat, it was a good opportunity. I knew him well. We chatted about this for a little while and we thought, hey, we should work together on this. It'll be fun. Another example, right after Rob and I finished up our Project of White Hat deal, he started working on his current site. It was, I remember him talking about it because we were still talking probably on a, you know, bi-weekly basis, you know, a couple times a week. He was like, yeah, I'm working on this other thing, partnering up with this guy. So those guys knew that they were going to have a pretty good opportunity because of the experience and the assets that each one of the, the folks could bring to the table. So Rob, you know, Rob's good at see, finding those opportunities and, and hooking up with people with complementary skills and objectives and all that stuff. So the whole point there is 
Don't take on too many projects. It's really easy to do. You'll think, hey, I'm going to miss out. But w- once you start saying no and you see how many opportunities actually show up, it's going to be fine. Like it, unless you can't help it. In fact, if, if you could say no a couple of times and you're like, you know what? I just can't get this idea out of my head. I'm going to have to give it a shot. That is perhaps when you should, you know, take on that other project. So don't take on too many projects, John. All right. I'm going to call it a day here. Thanks for checking it out. And if you like this episode, shoot me an email. If you have any specific questions, if you want me to go deeper in some areas, let me know. I think, you know, Jan in his email said, I'd I'd be happy to develop the questions a little bit more and send you more context. Of course, I got, um, number one, I got excited when I was going to record this episode. So I didn't let him know ahead of time. I I forgot that that he said he could send more. So I just recorded it because I was pumped about talking about it. And if people want a round two of this or a part two, something like that, happy to do it and go deeper in a certain area. Have a good day out there. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Doug Show. I really do appreciate it. I mean, I'm just sitting here at my computer recording stuff and uh, you're listening to it. And I think that's awesome. If you enjoy the show and you know someone who maybe would be interested in it, please let them know. I think it would be fantastic if you help spread the word. If you are not signed up for the Niche Site Project email list, well, you're in luck. All you have to do is go to nichesiteproject.com, click the green button, enter your name and email address, and I'll send you a bunch of cool stuff about affiliate marketing, productivity, including all my templates. If you happen to not be subscribed to this podcast, please do subscribe. And don't forget, I welcome your questions. So you could send uh, your emails to feedback at doug.show. I got that really cool domain, doug.show, that's it. So feedback at doug.show. Or I'm going to leave my voicemail number in the show notes. So all you have to do is give me a buzz, leave a voicemail, and then I'll potentially put you on the air. So looking forward to it and we'll catch you next time.